Hello everyone and welcome to this podcast from Cambridge Health Tech Institute for Molecular Diagnostics Europe, which is taking place this 22 to 24 May in Lisbon, Portugal. I'm Caitlin Barago, Associate Conference Producer. We have with us today one of our speakers from the Advanced Diagnostics for Infectious Disease Conference, Dr. Tim Sweeney, CEO of Inflamatics. Dr. Sweeney, thank you for joining us today. No problem. Good morning. At this conference, you will be speaking about using host-derived biomarkers to diagnose and determine the severity of sepsis. Can you tell us a little more about your work and what makes your approach to sepsis diagnostics different than others in the field? Sure. First, thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to speak about this. So at Inflamatics, as you've suggested, we're using host-derived biomarkers to both diagnose and risk stratify patients with acute infections and sepsis. The field of sepsis diagnostics has grown substantially, uh, especially in the last few years with the advent of both rapid molecular profiling and NGS-based technologies for pathogen identification. And all of that has been a great advance for the field in terms of trying to ID, especially bacteremia or the presence of bacteria in the bloodstream. Inflamatics is doing something substantially different from all of those more traditional pathogen-focused technologies, which is to focus on reading the body's immune response and thus to infer the presence or absence of a bacterial or viral infection and also to do risk stratification. The problem with traditional pathogen-focused diagnostics, that is those that look especially for bacteria in the bloodstream, is that most bacterial infections are inaccessible by traditional technologies. So if you have pneumonia or a skin and soft tissue infection or a belly infection, most of the time, the bacteria never actually enter the bloodstream. Evolutionarily, the immune system is very good at walling off those local infections to ensure that they can't spread around the body. And so if we look at blood culture, which is the gold standard for determining whether there are bacteria in the bloodstream, in the vast majority of cases of patients that are judged to have acute infection, there is no bloodstream infection. So the numbers are something like only about half of patients with severe sepsis or septic shock have bacteria in their bloodstream. And it falls to something like only about 10% of patients with sort of standard acute infection seen in an emergency department and only about 2% of patients that are seen in a doctor's office or clinic for a pneumonia. So really the vast majority of patients never actually have bloodstream infections. And as a result, while it's certainly very, very necessary to identify those patients that do, a technology that's designed specifically to find bacterial bloodstream infections, when it's negative, doesn't tell you that the patient doesn't need antibiotics. In other words, you can have the absence of the bloodstream infection, but still absolutely have a bacterial infection somewhere in the body, and so require strong antibiotics. And there's no real way to tell from a patient's symptoms whether they necessarily have a bacterial or viral infection. I trained as a surgeon, so I can tell you that when we used to see patients in the emergency department, we are routinely faced with the question of whether or not this could be a lurking acute infection causing the symptoms that are presenting. So with all of that as background, um, the inflammatics solution is to read the circulating immune response and then determine whether the immune system is actually responding to a deep-seated bacterial infection. So The way this works essentially is that somewhere in the body an infection has set up and the immune system has begun to react to it. And because of that immune reaction, that a person's having symptoms. The reason that you have a fever or high heart rate or high white blood cell count is because the immune system is reacting to an infection. So what we do is we read patterns of 
mRNAs from whole blood. So this is mostly mRNAs from white blood cells. And those patterns can tell us what's the likelihood of a bacterial infection, what's the separate likelihood of a viral infection, and then can also risk stratify patients according to their likelihood of 30-day mortality. And Inflammatics was not certainly the first group to come up with the idea that this might work, but we're arguably one of the first groups to find highly reproducible and generalizable accurate signatures. So the standard way that this has been done is to enroll a cohort of patients looking for some kind of immune signature for the presence of, say, bacterial infections. And because it's a biomarker search, you want to decrease within a cohort the presence of heterogeneity that might otherwise explain differences between patients with and without bacterial infection. What we do at Inflamatics is instead of looking at just one cohort, we enroll or really look across data from many, many, many different clinical cohorts. So instead of just kids at one hospital with one kind of infection, we look at children and adults from different hospitals with different types and severities of infections, always comparing those with and without bacterial infections. And then when we can find an immune signature that is true in every single one of those cases, it's much more likely to generalize to a new hospital, a new case, a new clinical trial, because it's really at core sort of a generalized immune signature for the presence of an infection. So Inflamatics is now working with instrument side partners to take our gene sets, our algorithms, and our assays and functionalize them into rapid and near point of care diagnostics. And what are some of the current shortcomings in sepsis diagnostics? Yeah, so certainly some shortcomings are the ones that I outlined up front, right? That not all bacterial infections are bloodstream infections. And so that simply focusing on identifying bacteria is often a shortcoming. But to expand on that a little bit, first of all, if you look at the actual clinical needs of a physician, and again, I'm sort of speaking from my personal experience here, but also from market research we've done on the informatic side, Physicians don't necessarily want to know the ID, the identification of the bacteria that's in the bloodstream. What they really want to know is the ID and the susceptibility, right? So you don't just want to know that, for instance, there's staph aureus in the bloodstream. You really want to know whether it's MSSA or MRSA, so you can choose whether or not the patient needs vancomycin or a different appropriate antibiotic. And I think that many, but certainly not all, of the current solutions that simply focus on ID without susceptibility will find themselves relatively not fitting into workflow because often a patient has already been placed on empiric antibiotics, and so knowing an ID doesn't lead to many changes in treatment. So I think one is to focus on rapid joint ID and susceptibility for patients that are this minority of patients that do have bloodstream infections. Then to look at the rest of the host response field, because certainly Inflamatics is not the only host response biomarker that's on the market or in development. The best known of these, without a doubt, is procalcitonin. Procalcitonin is a single protein peptide marker of infections, and there's commercial procalcitonin assays available from several companies. The problem with procalcitonin is it really only gives one dimension of information, which is whether the procalcitonin PCT, as it's called, whether the PCT is high or low. But a high PCT can mean either that there's definitely a bacterial infection, or it can mean that a patient's immune response is quite severe. So for instance, I've seen a patient with community-acquired pneumonia with a procalcitonin of 10, that's pretty high, but I've also seen a patient with a severe burn with no infection with a PCT of 200. 
So this conflation of severity of response and type of response is very endemic to the typical host response biomarkers in the field. So I think the one thing that Inflammatix's HostDX sepsis test, that's the brand name for our test, HostDX sepsis, is that it really separates out the likelihood of infection from its severity. And I think this will be of great importance to physicians because they answer two separate questions, one of which is, what treatment does the patient need? Do they need antibiotics or not? Might they need potentially antivirals? Do they need downstream diagnostics? Separately from the question of what level of treatment they need. So if you're going to choose to treat with antibiotics, do you necessarily need to treat with IV antibiotics or could they be oral? Does the patient necessarily need to come into the hospital or might they be safe to send home? Really, I think it's that the separate levers of sort of the presence of an infection and separately its severity that HostDX sepsis does that current sepsis diagnostics do not do that I think will be a big gain to the field. And what do you think are some of the barriers in implementing rapid diagnostics into the clinic? I would say there are probably two main issues, one being whether or not the given diagnostic fits into a rapid clinic workflow, which sort of gets to this point of simply knowing that there is an infection in the bloodstream, simply identifying the bug, actually doesn't necessarily give more actionable information than the clinician already had if the assumption is that there's a bacterial infection present. And so part of it really is just about can you answer a question that a physician has sort of within the first hour of treating somebody? And typically those questions are, do they need antibiotics? Which downstream diagnostics do they need? And what level of care? And so I think the first major component is trying to identify test dependent workflow. The outpatient version of our host biomarker test, which we call HostDX fever, very rapidly simply says, is this patient with an acute infection likely to have either a bacterial or a viral infection? So we don't do the full risk stratification because in an outpatient setting, that's really not necessary. But we can very rapidly tell you whether or not they need antibiotics. And that, I think, because it fits perfectly into the workflow, we have seen excellent market research data suggesting that physicians really, really want to implement HostDX uh, fever into their clinics. I think the other barrier, of course, is the technology itself, right? You have to be really, really fast, and you have to be reasonably cheap to fit into rapid workflows, especially in an outpatient setting. So by really, really fast, I mean, we think that probably the ideal speed sample to answer for a turnaround time is less than 30 minutes, and probably this should be in a clear-waved, true walk-away point-of-care device. And there simply aren't many companies that have such a device like that that's ready. Certainly, we've talked to many innovative startups that are developing devices like that, and we look forward to working with them to functionalize our assay into the work stream that makes sense. But under an hour in a doctor's office probably is still too slow. Most patients simply aren't willing to wait. You really need to be in just sort of the time frame measured in minutes. If you look then at sort of the emergency department as the other potential point of care, now, of course, this is quite a different setting from a physician's office, but still, you know, you need rapid diagnostics in the emergency department. What does point of care, really point of need mean? Well, probably there it's okay to have something that's more like an hour turnaround time, simply because there's so many other things going on. There's other labs already being drawn. The patient sort of has an expectation of being in the emergency department for a little bit longer time period. So maybe something closer to an hour, but then on the other hand, the given diagnostic has to deal with stochastic, random high-throughput patient workload, which means the final device has to be random access and able to 
serve a lot of other needs that the clinical lab directors have in terms of how many other assays can fit on a device, how many devices can fit in the given central lab, does it need a lot of trained personnel, or can it really be sort of reasonably walk away, maybe moderate complexity. So I think that it's really in matching the features of the diagnostic and its costs and things like that to the clinic that are some of the main barriers that are, I think, currently standing in the way of rapid diagnostics for infectious disease. And what are you looking forward to and hoping to learn in May at the Molecular Diagnostics event? Yeah, well, we think it's going to be a great event. Certainly have seen a lot of other innovative companies on the list and look forward to some great business development, just learning about new molecular devices that are coming to market, new tests with which we may be able to integrate. The informatics business model, our business model, is to partner with companies that have new and exciting devices to put our assays on them. So rather than building a new molecular instrument ourselves, we have an excellent assay team in-house. They can develop very rapid, in fact, have developed very rapid, for instance, Pac-Man-based versions of our assays. We have the biomarkers, the gene sets, the clinical trials, and we're happy to work with anybody to license these tests to put on those devices. So part of it is sort of to say, well, look, if you have a platform that has, say, six-color multiplex with less than 30 minutes sample-to-answer turnaround time, hey, let's work together. Let's figure out if there's a way we can't get HostiX fever onto your device and that's the clinic. But the other thing for me, I think, is that we're also very, very interested in meeting technologies that we don't yet know about. You know, we as a company see ourselves, to borrow a turn of phrase, skating to where the puck will be, right? We want to be designing our assays towards the next generation's capabilities. So in particular, we're always looking for a higher multiplex in a rapid format that could do RT-PCR or some other kind of RNA measurement from blood. The higher the multiplex is, if it's fast enough, we can start to begin to develop higher multiplex tests to really use that capability, right? The reason we don't have a 300-gene version of host accessus is because right now there's no 300-gene platform that could possibly run the test in under an hour. But as we meet these people, these sort of novel companies that say, yeah, well, that's the capability that we'll have in maybe two years on the market, then we can say, great, you know, good to meet you. We can start designing our assays towards what you will be delivering so that when you hit market, you have some flagship content to go to market with. So it's really just about a chance to tell the community what we're building and also hear about what everyone else is building so that we can work together to really improve patient care, especially around acute infection disease. Thank you for your time and your insights today, Dr. Sweeney. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Look forward to the conference. That was Dr. Tim Sweeney, CEO of Inflammatics. He will be speaking at the Advanced Diagnostics for Infectious Disease Conference, which is a part of the upcoming Molecular Diagnostics Europe, taking place this 22 to 24 May in Lisbon, Portugal. If you'd like to hear him in person, go to www.moleculardxeurope.com for registration information and enter the key code PODCAST. I'm Caitlin Barago. Thank you for listening.